At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Everyone has feelings about cookbooks. And some people are really focused on the like design and layout and other people are like, it's really all about the writing and, and how you entice them. And then other people are really looking to discover new things and new techniques and they want recipes that have been, you know, really um, thoroughly tested and, mm -hmm. you know, include every detail. And it, it's just, it occurred to us that like that opportunity for perspectives had never really been explored yeah. and this was like a, a great format to do it. That great format is now called The Piglet. It's Food 52's Tournament of Cookbooks and that was Amanda Hesser talking about how it got its start. You might have listened to our last episode where we collected reader and judge predictions on which cookbook would take the trophy this year. If not, find it on iTunes and you can catch up with all of this year's play on the site. We're now in the second round. This time, as promised, we're going a little deeper. I sat down with Piglet founders Amanda Hesser, Meryl Stubbs, and Charlotte Druckmann to do this. We talk about the judgment editing process, past and present Piglet wins and disasters, why on earth it's even called the Piglet, and our commenters' biggest gripes. I'm Kenzie Wilbur, this is Burnt Toast, and let's start at the beginning, seven years ago. On Twitter, Amanda had been a judge of the Morning News' uh, Tournament of Books which is what the piglets modeled on in its structure, um, yeah. except that it's novels. It's the best novels of the year as opposed to cookbooks. And I had never seen it before, and I clicked on the link, and I thought, this is so cool. And my first thought was, why doesn't this exist for cookbooks? That's Charlotte. The really cool tournament she's talking about, called The Rooster, run by the morning news, works like this. They pick a crop of the best works of fiction of the year, then pit these books against each other in a bracket-style tournament. Books continue to move on through the brackets until there's only one remaining. Maybe the fact that you're listening to a podcast about book sports means you weren't much for the real thing, but this is basically like March Madness. That one remaining book, that's your winner. And this, in broad strokes, is the structure of the Food 52 Piglet Tournament of Cookbooks. So I tweeted, but I wasn't thinking about it, and you guys were just developing Food 52, so it wasn't even like there was a place in my mind that I saw this happening. It was just, which happens to me often, I got a random idea and I didn't center myself. So I just replied blindly <laughs> Thank goodness. to Amanda saying, wouldn't it be so cool if this existed for cookbooks? And Amanda was like, yes. And I remember in that moment being like, oh, this is actually happening. Like, just, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought it through. And then I thought, oh, that's great. Why, why not? Well, suddenly yeah. it, 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 like, it all 
seemed to make sense. Like yeah. there, yes, there were there were cookbook awards, and they were being judged in the background. But there was nothing that like really brought the experience nothing. of um, of judging a cookbook. You know, the sort of analysis of a cookbook, the different perspectives that people have, and that the fact that like everyone has feelings about cookbooks and um and some people are really focused on the like design and layout and other people are like it you know it's really all about um the writing and and how you get them um they kind of entice them um and then other people are really looking to discover new things and new techniques and they want recipes that have been you know really um thoroughly tested and, mm-hmm. you know, include every detail. And it, it's just, it occurred to us that, like, that, that opportunity for perspectives had never really been um, explored. explored. Yeah. And this was, like, a, a great format to do it. And like, in the beginning, it was just like, oh, let's do this fun, wild thing. But, like, as it's developed, I think it can seem like a gimmick on the surface, right? We're going to do yeah. this, like, NCAA bracketed style uh, cookbook tournament. But, in fact, when you do it, in that fashion and you have these rounds where each round a judge judges two cookbooks and and advances one to the next round you end up with a winner who has been vetted by five different voices and different kinds of cook and mm-hmm. somebody different and priorities it's different priorities yeah. you know some people have a whole family to cook for and other people are just you know cook when they feel like it and it's actually a really i'd say like rich and um like nuanced. kind of comprehensive mm-hmm. way yeah. to to look at cookbooks. Yeah, I feel like you know I always learn so much from from the reviews. Well, and then the comments, which also <sighs> I think are often very fiery, <laughs> particularly when people feel like the reviewer maybe has different priorities than they would have personally yeah, right. in judging the book. So if someone is more focused on design and and you know a commenter actually really judges a cookbook by the quality of the recipes, they may really disagree with the judgment or, or the tension. way someone went about it. Well, yeah. Well, yes, and the other thing is I feel like we're using and I st- I started it by saying the word reviews. Yeah. But like they're not in <clears throat> so, they're, in some ways they're not reviews, they're decisions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the, mm-hmm. and the people aren't exactly reviewers because in fact we 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 de- we decided to start with Sixteen of what we already feel were the best cookbooks of the year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One I, of the things too, and I think this sort of—it's weird because I've been feeling the tension of it with the commenters. But when we started too, it was the cookbook awards that existed were very sort of pat and generic. I mean, they were literally generic in that they had these categories, and we mm-hmm. were just starting to see these cookbooks that didn't fit categories, and we were excited mm-hmm. about them. And one of the great things about doing a tournament was that it allowed us to get at these books that didn't necessarily fit but that we thought were really special. Mm-hmm. And I think having people as unique as the books write about them and test them kind of played into that. It's, it it celebrated the subjectivity because your relationship with a cookbook is always subjective but then again to this idea that these books can't necessarily be put on a shelf on a particular shelf and and neither can the judges but then now because there are so many more cookbook reviews everywhere left and right um and because the cookbook marketplace has blown up there's so many cookbooks now that don't fit that's almost the norm um Mm -hmm. but i think with the commenters, I see them sometimes clinging to a very old-fashioned way of reviewing and mm-hmm. to the categories, and it's almost like they're frustrated by the lack of categories. And yeah, that's... or pitting two books. I, I was going to ask you guys how you feel about, I feel like a very common 
beef that commenters have is when we put two books against each other that they feel shouldn't be against each other for whatever reason. For a little context, this year we've had dessert versus vegetables when April Bloomfield's A Girl in Her Greens went up against the Violet Bakery cookbook, Dessert Prevailed. We've also seen The Food of Oman versus Heidi Swanson's Near and Far. In this decision, the judge notes that Near and Far's design is much more elevated, which very easily could have been the cause of a bigger publishing house budget, an advantage oftentimes out of the author's control. And people got a little riled when we put Zahav against the food lab. Their issue was that we were pitting the two best books against each other too early. And that's just round one. Well, I think that what happens when you do have um, books that seem, you know, very different or like they shouldn't be together going against each other is it strips away the kind of like facade of like just the cover yeah. or, or just the, the strength of the category. And it and it forces the decider <laughs> <laughs> to um, ask themselves, like, does this book accomplish what it set out to do? And so like a book that is more of an art cookbook that it, it, it gets a fair shot. There's room for you it know, to do Versus, better, yeah. you know, something that's just a very serious cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte said something when we were discussing um, all of the, the beef from round one um, the other week. You said something really beautiful that's exact, it's exactly that. It's each book, each cookbook in an ideal world has a thesis. And if it's a good book, like it will have lived up to that. It will have lived up to the promise that it's made you. Um, And the decider whose job is to say, well, did it. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. And then, and then, if you want at that point, let's say you have two books that did that, then it really does come down to which did you get more pleasure from. And that's okay, because again, isn't that why people buy cookbooks? And we're not talking about those of us who use them for research, but people who are buying cookbooks because they're going to cook from them. If you have two books that both lived up to their promise, was there one that just that you would want to go back to? I love it when we have judges who thought they weren't interested in a type of food and then mm-hmm. they get these two books and one is they think in their comfort zone and the other isn't and they end up choosing the one that that wasn't because it ended up being more pleasurable to them yeah. to cook from it. That gets me excited. Yeah. Well, Seven Fires, I felt like, was a cookbook that um, got elicited that response from a number of judges. And yeah. That, yes. that won the tournament um, two years ago, first, was it? The first, it was our first winner. Yeah, it was yeah. our yeah. first. Was that that yeah. long ago? And that's one of the other things I've noticed about the piglet that I, I feel very proud of is that it tends to be a really good indicator for what is going to trend in cookbooks. Yes, I, I went back that's and true. the second year, the winner was Good to the Grain, which was cooking mm-hmm. with different flours, but really for flavor, which was Kim Boyce. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen that become... A Such thing. a big thing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or a girl else? and her pig. A girl and her pig. I, yeah, that was right, sort of at the the moment where meat was kind of having its thing. But then also Joe Beef. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I think, just as we were starting to see that explosion of chef cookbooks, but chef cookbooks with a story or a personality. Um, so you, you know, and then last year when. Brooks's fancy desserts one it was like now we're actually seeing someone who's 
kind of making fun of that and turning mm-hmm. it on its head. Mm-hmm. And for us, that means that going forward, if we're going to pick a chef's cookbook, I think, to nominate, it has to do something that hasn't been done yet. If it's just another cute, voicey chef's cookbook, I don't know if we would think this is a great you know, and we had that to, conversation this yeah. year, right, when we were talking about the yeah. books. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's sort of an unspoken rule of the piglet in general, right? We don't we don't nominate books that are overtly chefy. Did you guys decide that at the very beginning? I think we got more sensitive to it. You got you guys. I I felt like that sort of as Food Fifty Two grew, and we felt like we had a community base of people who supported the piglet. It, it became clearer that having books that were too esoteric wasn't really speaking to anyone. Yeah, it wasn't and relevant. It was also relevant. hard for judges because what would happen inevitably would be that there would be this one cookbook that we thought was really cool, but maybe three recipes in it were cookable. And if it advanced, it would just be this judge's cooking the same three recipes yeah. over and over. Yeah, um, and it, it would have influenced, really, our choice of judges, too. Yeah, we Which yeah. I think brings up, not to veer away, but I think brings up another topic, which I think is a hot topic, um, which is <laughs> the ex- level of experience, cooking experience yes. of our judges. Yes, Meryl. Um, Great topic. We should go, we should go there. <laughs> we should. Um, and I feel, you know, that's definitely been something that's also been another gripe with commenters when they feel that the judge does not have the level of cooking experience that they would like a judge to have. And I feel very strongly, and I think this echoes something you just said a minute ago, Charlotte, that a cookbook can be judged by a, a pretty beginner cook um, pretty well. I'm not... not not that we want every judge to be an amateur, but but that there is a place for a very intelligent, um, astute judgment of of cookbooks from someone who isn't necessarily um, cooking. Certainly not professionally or for 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 work, but even like every single night. I completely agree. I mean, I think that that's sort of. I mean, that's also the the. Um thinking behind our whole company yeah. is to be inclusive, welcome everyone. People come with different perspectives and different levels of experience, and they should all have a voice Yeah, in the and as well as you said, that's who's buying cookbooks. I yes, mean, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's and I also, I do yeah. think the one thing that we do, you know, like, we look for people, though, who can tell, who are, you know, great, often great writers, mm-hmm. who can tell a great story. So even if they aren't a great cook, they can sort of explain well, like the what, experience. what, yeah, the experience in a way that, you know, um, resonates and, you know, is entertaining and interesting. Yeah. I would actually put out the argument to the people that are, that complain about that and say, can you be sure a cookbook is really a great cookbook if someone who's such a good cook is able to get good results out of it because right. they might be manipulating the recipe. They could be riffing. They could be. Exactly. Yeah. Or they may, you know, there are a lot of cookbooks that sort of think that their readers are more intuitive than they are. And if you are a professional, you will intuit a lot of those steps that are not included That's in a recipe. A great point. Only a beginner would mm-hmm. sit there and say, I, I actually experience. don't understand this direction, or I think I maybe missed something. And so this idea that the the only 
sort of proper judge is someone that has that kind of experience. To me, it's like, well, what's the purpose of even putting a cookbook out into the world if it's only for people who already know how to make all of the stuff? Yeah. Maybe we should, like, start giving out Piglet Party Pooper Awards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's look at the, like, the Paragon example of this year. For, for, the, for this point is Julie Clam's review. Yeah. Right? So she actually cooked four to five recipes from each book, which is above and beyond what yeah. we ask them to test. Mm-hmm. So for the record, we ask that every judge test at least two recipes from each book. Um, and Julie went above and beyond. But because she didn't know what a spider was, because her kitchen was tiny and she didn't have the correct bowl, people sort of jumped on that. Um, and I actually think that that review is more valid than, I'm sorry, I love Brooks Headley. We led with his judgment. I think it's beautiful. He cooked the crap out of his recipes, but he's a chef. And so I I love reading the perspective of, of sort of just the regular cook. Well, yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that, like, Julie brought in something that, you know, not not many judges have, which is, like, you know, the expense of, the of, of buying, you know, this unusual ingredient that you may or may not like and then, if you don't, never right. use again. Yeah. And that, that, like, that what it takes to take that risk as a as a cook using a cookbook. Right. Um, so I feel like she added, like, I mean, her review was really fantastic and yeah. funny and, um, you know, you really felt you were with her. There's a difference between a cookbook that's really great and a cookbook that's received a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. And because of, of what we do for a living, we're so aware of the fact that if a publisher has enough money to get enough people talking about a cookbook or reading about a cookbook, that can do a lot for our idea of a cookbook before we've even sat down with it. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I think the piglet tries to really kind of Level clear that. Field. But having judges that aren't reading all the same magazines we are and aren't, you know, hearing yeah, the same yeah, they're not coming but, with... but I also think, like, we should welcome this kind of... Um, feedback and criticism because I think like you know it means that what we've tried to accomplish is working in yeah. that like other cookbook awards there's no transparency you don't know there's who's, no discussion. Who's, who's judged them I mean you know if if it's if it's chefs who are testing those recipes how many recipes they've tested what their experience was you know you just get you all you get is the announcement of the awards mm-hmm. and we sort of take it at face value yeah. that um, that it's fair in the background that's right yeah well, I mean yeah. it's right that uh-huh. is yeah, yeah. such a good point Amanda because it like even in the James Beard Awards we're not allowed to see the ballots yeah. they won't release them and so we know that cookbooks are being judged by a rubric but we don't know by which one mm-hmm. and so just to go back to the Julie Clam example it's very clear which rubric she's judging these books by mm-hmm. um, and deciding between the two and that is part of the fun mm-hmm. and that's the other thing and Kenzie I think you've done such a beautiful job with this in terms of editing and and getting this out of the judges but I think as long as a judge tells us where he or she's coming from sort of the same way we're we're looking at a cookbook and saying you're making a promise let's see if you keep it I think you can say the same of the judges if I know where you're coming from if I didn't know that Julie was kind of an amateur cook and she hadn't explained that to us then sure we might have kind of thought her her review made no sense or it didn't really fit and once we understood who she was, it all made complete sense. And I think that's one of our jobs is to hold our judges to that, right? Yes. I mean, because that is what makes mm-hmm. it a worthwhile and unique situation. So tell us about that editing process, Kenzie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How's that going? The, that editing process. Um, yes, holding our judges to that is is the, is the job. That's the job description. Um, sometimes it's a little bit harder than other times mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because, I mean, we have a roster of 15 extraordinarily busy, extraordinarily talented people, and we're asking them to do this fairly intensive job. Yeah. And so, 
it is it's a lot of back and forth um but most of the time I just want to like hug people through my inbox honestly I got an I got an email from one of our third round judges just this morning um he was a little bit late with his review as most people are um I'm gonna I'm gonna out him it was Chris Schoenberger. Um, <laughs> and he said, here are two versions, because I've really noticed that commenters care so much about the recipes you cooked. So I wanted to be thorough. So that's number one. And then in number two, I put a little bit more about my background, because I also noticed that commenters uh-huh. want to know where you're coming from, but they don't want to know too much. So if it's too long, revert to version one. If it's not, <laughs> go with version two. Here's what I'm leaning toward. And I just... I was like, I, I, I don't even know how to write back a sentence that like, expresses my appreciation for you. Yeah. Um, so, but the editing process, I mean, we start back in September. Um, it's, we start with picking the books. Um, and so, I mean, it takes about a month to do each round. Um, so, you know, you send all the books out. You have to check for conflicts. Inevitably, people will have conflicts. Sometimes they won't realize they have conflicts. Until they already have until the Until they have the books. Yes. One year, we asked a judge to call the shots on a book that was photographed by a person who his wife left him for. That was a mistake. <laughs> we had to rejigger the brackets. Um, and so there are, there are an innumerable amount of bumps along the way. Um, but it's, it's fun. And then, I mean, every, and that's, that's part of the joy though, too, the editing process, it's dealing with a completely different breed and brand of writer every single time. And learning to navigate those different voices is like, is a total joy. I think we need some disaster stories. And I have some. But before I tell you, I will say that this is all in good fun. Our judges are very busy people. And yes, this may be a self-serving disclaimer because, yes, in my own words, <laughs> my, my career is about to be ruined. That being said, okay, so we had a string of what I like to call the uh, curse of the final judge. So two, <laughs> two years running. Um and I, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I have I have faith, um, though I though I always do. So two years running, I I got the final judgment back the day of the piglet party, which is the day that it's supposed to run. So normally, like in an ideal world, I'll at least have a week or so to like say, you know, you didn't mention enough recipes or or like or you undercut yourself here, but have an opinion. Um, and I, both of these judgments, I mean, you can go on the site and look who the past two were from. They were from Bill Buford <laughs> won't say it. Okay. and Fergus Henderson. It's, it's out. Um, <laughs> and um, let's say they were, they were around the length of a couple sentences. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> they would be written on the back of a napkin. Me again. For the record, both Fergus and I and Bill and I worked this out post-draft one. And I promise I'm not just saying this. Gwyneth Paltrow, she handed everything in on time. Wow. Was, did all the testing. Yes, did all the herself. testing. She was, yeah, that was Gold either star. the first or second year. Yeah. And I, I have to give a shout out to Gabrielle Hamilton. She did, She, I, I think she was a, re, uh, a judge in our first year. Mm-hmm. Yes. She wrote an amazing decision. It was like 1,500 words of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then the next year we like someone canceled at the last Emergency. minute and we were like oh crap who are we gonna call so Gabrielle. we just we called Gabrielle and we're like Gabrielle would you mind being a judge she's again? the only only and two you know time she, judge she was yeah. like no problem yeah, and, and again she like nailed it and did yeah. this amazing you know super deep quick dive. turnaround yes yeah Marco Canora this he his cookbook <laughs> Salt to Taste which I love I think it's such a, a wonderful book we nominated I think year one also could have been year two um and it lost and it lost to canal house and canal house was at that point totally new amanda you had brought it i think in our meeting and it was still quarterly it wasn't like a book it was just you know this quarterly journal and we'd never seen anything like it so the idea of nominating it was so exciting and also they self-published which i thought was so cool and now you see that happening all Mm -hmm. the time anyway I mean, everything seemed fine until it was time for the party, and we I invited Marco. I sent him an email, and he said, I'm not coming to the party. I don't want to celebrate. I'm very upset that my book lost, and I can't believe it lost to a self-published cookbook. And, I mean, I felt bad because, obviously, that's not the spirit of the piglet. We want everyone to be happy. We want everyone to know we love their cookbook. Um, we want people, anyone who's included in the piglet, to feel like their their cookbook has accomplished something. Of course, like you know, there's tons of cookbooks. They that come really, out every year. to us, are all winners. Yeah, we we would be happy if any of them won. It's just at that point, it's out of our hands. But it was also that he was so upset that it had lost to a self published cookbook mm-hmm. that was so odd to me. But I felt I just felt bad about it. And then I guess a couple of years later, I asked you guys how you would feel about letting him judge, because I thought maybe if he saw it from the other side, Mm -hmm. he would sort of end up having a better feeling about it all over again. And he did. He judged and he was great. He was a great judge and he couldn't have been kinder. And so I don't know, that made me actually feel good. That was like a that was a a great idea, Charlotte. I'm really glad you you thought of that but it was also because i i felt bad that he was unhappy and also in a way he had he had disappointed me in Mm -hmm. his response and i didn't want that um i do actually have a disaster story um that i think finally i think that both of you have heard (laughs) i know (laughs) we've been waiting (laughs) um okay so wiley dufresne was a judge in the first year i ever edited the piglet and i had inherited it a month in from someone who had left the company. Um, so she had gotten it started, and then I took it over. And it was my it was my first year. I hadn't been at Food 52 for longer than seven months, maybe. So I was still sort of, like, getting a lay of the land. Kenzie was, like, three years old then. Too. I was roughly three and a half years old. Um, and, and, and had totally, you know, totally come up thinking that all these people were celebrities and still think they are. You know, it's, it's really, like, a, it was a star power moment for me. I was like... Wiley Dufresne is in my inbox right now, you know? And I still totally feel that. When Yotam sent in his judgment um, a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, um, hyperventilating. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so I got an email from his um, PR person. Uh, Wiley just wants to talk to you for 10 minutes. He has a couple of quick questions. Um, no big deal. Like, do you have time today? And I was like, uh, sure, yes, whatever you say. And we were at your house, Amanda, because we were still shooting doing our photo shoots there and so I take my phone and I go into the living room to like find a quiet room he calls and little did I know his questions were actually just what the hell is this 
I I hate this. This doesn't make any sense. You can't ask me to do this. And so I remember just going into Tad, Amanda's husband's office, shutting the door behind me and being like, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to be in here. <laughs> like walking around and I think like compulsively like touching all the spines of his books because I didn't know where else. To, I didn't know what else to do. I was like trying to ground myself and Wiley Dufresne is on the phone with me just screaming in my ear. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever had to do. And I, I honestly think I've blacked out what, what I <laughs> what said. What your response was? Um, oh, I remember darn. coming out of that room just shaking and like, I think he's still going to judge. <laughs> um, he did. And the, his opening paragraphs were, this makes no sense. But since I have to do it anyway. <laughs> since you, you made me. Since Kenzie made me. <laughs> do you guys see evolution in the piglet? Has it? I see evolution in the comment sections specifically. But since you've started it, has anything changed sort of um, in a big way to you? I sort of, I don't know. I feel like this year um, I felt the most proud of the 16 cookbooks as a collection of cookbooks. You know, there have been other years where I loved some and I kind of didn't love the others as much even though I knew they were great cookbooks you didn't Um, love all your children the same no I did not Mm. and this year I just felt like when you looked at those books as a whole there's such a range which I'm happy because I think that that reflects what's happening in cookbooks anyway but in that sense um, I I think we've also just gotten better at when we pick the 16 making sure that they're all really different so that we don't have sort of two books accomplishing the same thing because that doesn't make any sense really um so in that sense and also I think having the community picks has helped because that allowed us to take the books that we thought were really cool but were maybe a little bit too specialized or esoteric and know that they were going to get some love and Mm -hmm. support um and I guess it just seems like there are more people reading it now which is great that's wonderful yeah I was going to just bring up the the sort of community picks um of, of the piglet, which is that, you know, one, one thing that we have always wanted with um, with the piglet is for the community to be involved. And, of course, they are through the comments. We've also in the past have had voting, like, thumbs up and thumbs down. But we, at the same time, you know, it's really hard to pick sixteen, just 16 books. And there are other books, there are some books that are, like, for example, too chefy to be in the top 16, but really great books on their own. And they deserve recognition, um, as do, you know, a handful of other books. And so that has evolved over time as getting this sort of secondary list that the community then tests and reviews. Do you guys have a favorite Piglet Judgment or Piglet Moment? Yes, Susan Orleans. Susan Orleans was great. Yeah, I loved it so great. much. It, it It's still my favorite. Uh, Tad's, I think, was my second favorite. Tad's is amazing. Naughty Tad. Tad, <laughs> Tad closes with motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he Julie... uses that word a lot at home. <laughs> he was Somehow just I doubt off. that. <laughs> I think Julie's might be in the running for for my favorite. Julie's is good. Julie yeah. Clams. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tad, just for a little background for people who haven't read it, um, compares <laughs> Roberta's cookbook and um, Susan Gowen's AOC, and he talks about how a cookbook should be like a good house guest. Um, and AOC as a house guest is sort of like a tight ponytail. Um, and Roberta's is just sort of passionate, you know, someone who you really want to stay with you. And I think the end is something like, uh, AOC is like, 
you're not having Suzanne into your house. She's having you into hers. And she asks you to take off your shoes when you get in the door. And then she's like, no, really, these floors don't varnish themselves. It's <laughs> such a good moment. It's such a good moment. And it's so memorable. I love that so much. Yeah, his, I love his. We can't close this before addressing the name because when I took the piglet over, it was basically like, here's a bunch of emails and here are a bunch of Google documents. Do this thing. And like I said, I was new at that time. And I was like, if I ask why it's called the piglet, (laughs) everyone is going to be like, are you kidding me? You don't know the answer. (laughs) So why is the piglet called the piglet? Well, so the morning news is tournament of books, which the piglet is based on, is called the rooster. And so... Yeah, I just figured we should follow the same model. And it honestly, Piglet just popped in my head. Pig didn't seem, I don't know, it just didn't seem right, but Piglet. Because I was also thinking about how when you, this is just me, this is ridiculous. When I was a little girl, I I kind of still do. I used to spill on my clothes all the time, and my mom would call me Piglet because I got messy. But I think it's... I didn't know this. Yes, I'm just telling you guys this now. I mean, she would make me, like, come home and change my clothes before dinner so that I didn't get whatever I'd worn, like, to school dirty because that's all I did. Um so it's named after you. I and love well, this. no, it was more just that I was thinking about how I like that that word has a certain sense of messiness or fun in it mm-hmm. that I think the pig didn't have because yeah. it, it was distinctly in my mind for some reason the piglet, um, and I think it must have come from that of that sort of sense of like messiness or silliness. <laughs> okay, what does the piglet year eight look like? I would like us to have a little bit more diversity, I think, in our judges. Because this year, I noticed how diverse the books themselves were in, in terms of the different cultures um, and styles of cuisine that they reflected. And I feel like now our job is to try and do that with the judges, too. Like, that's the one thing. So I hope to see that for 2008. I have my three dream judges. I'm just going to put them out there into the universe. But I really would love Dwight Garner to be a piglet Ooh, judge great because one. I just love reading his book reviews and just I would I would love it. He's a big cook. I feel like I feel like this is this is possible, I think. I don't think that this is completely crazy. I really would love to have John Waters judge because he cooks and his perspective would just be so amazing yeah, and unpredictable. Like and then I found out that Parker Posey cooks, and I just, I don't know, I just love Parker Posey. And again, that would be a little bit of a curve. So those are, I can't say that I know that that will happen, but I think if I put it out there, maybe. The universe well, they're all will... listening, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Clearly. If you can't tell yet, we dream big. The list of judges we've harassed to be a part of the piglet is by no means short. We've asked Seth Myers, Aziz Ansari, Mary Louise Parker. I once got shot down at the assistant level while trying to chase Trevor Noah. And Bill Nye, if you're listening, which you probably are, we really want you to judge next year. One of the best rejections we've ever gotten was from Ira Glass. His note read, as deadpan as one could type, Thanks, but I do not know anything about food or recipes or cookbooks. I bring no knowledge or intuition on this. Instant Piglet Classic. And I'm not sure we'll ever know the answer to this one. When are we going to get Martha? I know. That's what I was going to say. We've mm-hmm. been trying to get Martha forever. Martha, Martha, Martha. I know. <laughs> we can't even get to her. She won't let us in. No, she won't. I wonder what it would take. Maybe this is the year to find out. I guess we'll have to see. Head to Food 52 to catch up on this year's tournament. I'll also be posting a list of the judgments we mentioned, so you can find those there as well. And that is it for this episode of Burnt Toast. 
Thank you to Amanda, Merrill, and Charlotte for creating the piglet and for trusting me not to mess it up. Thank you in advance to Bill Buford, Fergus Henderson, and Wiley Dufresne for not ending my career as I know it. And thanks to every single one of our commenters, judges, and book authors. You all make this thing what it is. Thanks also to my producer, Kristen Meinzer, and Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Food52, or you can leave us a review on iTunes, but only if you promise not to call us, quote, a bunch of uninteresting hens that was uncalled for. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. Thanks for listening. <laughs>